Today we begin a series of considerations about something important, stewardship. By the way, do you know where that word came from? The word warden is part of it, and it is easy to understand. A warden looks over prisoners or others. A sty ward in the, is what the word originates from. In sty, yes, like in pigsty. A warden who oversees the pigs. Well, over time that came to be one who oversaw the Lord's estate. And with that in mind, let's consider us as stewards. You may be seated for that. <clears throat> so, okay, put on your thinking cap. What is this? Think about it. The indefinite continued progress of existence and events that occur in an apparently irreversible succession from the past through the present to the future. I have to read this. I don't memorize it. It is a component quantity of various measurements used to sequence events, to compare the duration of events or the intervals between them, and to quantify rates of exchange of quantities in material reality or in the conscious experience. Got that? That, if you open a dictionary, is the scientific definition of time. Time. It's hard to put a label on and hard to express, but maybe here's a better, easier way. An interval separating two points on a continuum. But even better, even better still, is God's definition of time. You wonder where that is in the Bible, when time began? Well, in the beginning there was God, and that's eternity. But think about this. As the Bible opens, these words are written. In the beginning, God created heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day. And the darkness he called light. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. That was the beginning of time. God from eternity began time when he separated light from darkness. And there was day number one. Importantly, God is the author of time. Beginning with the moments, the days, the months, and the years, the very first thing we learn as we open the scriptures. But perhaps even better is to understand this. Rather than try to put an objective uh, definition to time, let's just understand that time is a gift. It is a gift from God. When we understand that, the eyes of our hearts begin to open to God's reality. You know, it's interesting that you know, for many years, many people, many circumstances, the most valuable thing was their money. But these days, I'm hearing more and more people say, you know what's most important to me? My time. Time is really, really valuable. 
And maybe you, whatever your circumstance, can relate to that, perhaps as never before. Time is more valuable than money because time comes from God. Time is his gift, his creation. Only he can give it, and all we can do is to receive it and then deal with it. We can't add to it. We can't subtract from it. Time is what it is coming from God. That's what frames our reality. That's what frames our life as God's people, created and then brought back to him in Jesus. We can't rightly talk about having too much time or too little time. Time just is as God's gift. He gives it to us moment by moment, year by year, and year after year. Isn't that what Ecclesiastes 3 was all about? You heard it. There is a time for everything. A time for everything. We can't control it. It comes. But what we can do, what God calls us to do, is to manage time. To manage it. You know what that makes us? That makes us stewards. And that's an equivalent of managers. To be stewards or managers of his time. And to do it in faith. Because we know how much time we're going to get. We know what we have at the moment, but then comes the issue of stewarding it or managing it. And that's where we Christians begin to engage in this most important reality. The next issue is, what are we going to do with time? And what should we not do with time? Waste it. That's what we ought not to do with time as a valuable gift from God. It's too valuable to waste. And even who wants to waste something that precious? God owns it. He puts it into our hearts and lives. Why waste it? We don't even like to waste time apart from that understanding of reality. Wasting it, if we do, and we do from time to time, we don't like it when we do. We'd rather we not waste time, I think, in most instances. Or if we do or when we do, it's because we don't know what to do with the gift. Or we somehow don't care about the gift of time to waste it. Even perhaps worse than wasting time, however, is to kill it. To kill time? No, not at all. We kill enemies. That's what is said of time that's not what we want to do. That's just about the same as simply passing time or wasting time. To kill time is to do nothing. It's to put it under our feet and consider it as nothing. Or if we're going to do something to kill time, it's something unimportant or irrelevant. We maybe do it from time to time, but it's wrong. We not. We should not do it. But how about spending time? I mean, this is a little bit closer to what we believe we need to do with God's gift, to spend it, to treat time like that. But it falls short a little bit too, doesn't it? To spend something is to give it away, to exchange it for something else. And if we spend what we have, sooner or later we're going to run out of what it is as we spend it. And it will be gone. And while that can be some understanding about time, 
That's still not the best. The best is to invest time. Jesus told a parable. He told lots of stories. But one he told about three servants and the master. The master entrusted some of his wealth to those three. And the first two took the master's wealth as he left and went his way and said, manage it. They put his wealth to work, just like he directed. The third manager, no. He was afraid. He went and took his master's talent, which in that case was money, as the story goes, and he buried it. He played it safe. And when the master came back, the two first two servants were commended because they took what they had received and they invested it to produce more wealth for their master. The third, we might figure, well, he played it safe. What's so bad about that? Well, the master had said, put it to work, and he didn't. And the judgment of the master came down hard on the one who simply held on to it and didn't invest it. Lots of things to be learned from that, but certainly it can help us understand to invest what God has given us in the gift of time. Now, what if I took some money, let's say $86,400, and put it into your account or put it on a card? Would a smile break out on your face? It went on mine, especially as a receiver. I would be rich. Some of you would be richer still. But $86,400, you betcha. God's valuable gift. You could just sit on it or you could spend it. But think, how much better would it be to take that $86,400 and invest it? Invest it. Guess what? God gives you and me 86,400 seconds every day. 86,400 seconds every day. When you think of time that way, we understand that we're wealthy. We understand that the gift is valuable as it's put into our care. Why wouldn't we want to invest it as God's people? We have great opportunity to do that very thing, to make it grow, to make that time do good things. In this time of pandemic, Think about time and what God gives us. In many ways, we feel like we've been cut off from the time we want, the time we'd like to do things with in our particular kind of way. We say, we think perhaps we've been robbed of some time. We can't get together with people that we usually get together with, even our family. We can't go out. We can't go to events together. We can't visit. We can't go to church as usual anyway. But to your goodness and testimony, you're here, but many people still can't do this. And the focus for our time is often what we can't do. But there's another side to this coin. And maybe that's what we're beginning to be led toward understanding and putting into practice. To invest the time we do have in the circumstance we are in. To pick up the phone and to talk to somebody somebody whom we don't see, can't see, can't see us, or to write a letter, a card, even of encouragement, to sit down and to pray where we are, to take the time to read God's word and, and even meditate upon it, 
take it in, soak it in, because the time is ours. And there's a bunch of other ways that you've experienced and can think of and maybe are now starting to think about investing God's gift of time. Invest it how? I can think of a number of ways, but certainly to invest it for God. Invest God's gift for him. And by that I mean for his purposes and according to his will, to help and to bless people. That's using it for God. We can do that, and we do that as a congregation. We invest our time in God right here in our congregation. The time we spend here, it, that's its focus, is to invest it in God, his will, his purpose. That's what, as a congregation, we are about, and all of us should be about. It's one of our main callings, but, but think of and understand this. It's not just investing in God by investing in this organization, this entity, this body called the church, but to invest wherever we are, to invest as we leave this place and to go to our homes, to our work, to whatever else it is, and to invest in God the time he's given us, which connects with investing time for others. You know how this goes together. When Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was, you remember what he said? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus didn't pick one or the other. He put them together. And he said, loving God is loving neighbor. Loving neighbor in faith is loving God. The two are joined and can't be separated. So when we invest our time with God, it naturally connects with investing our time for others. Think of Jesus, for instance. Everything he did was invested for others. Save one thing that I'll get to in a moment. But the things he did, weren't they for others? As he spoke with them, comforted them, challenged them with his teachings, opened up the way of God to them very clearly, healed them, helped them, and ultimately giving his life sacrificially in time, our time, that is God's time here on earth, ultimately on the behalf of everybody who lives in time. And in Jesus, God redeemed the time. That is, he took it to his purpose and to its very height. He redeemed it, he sanctified it, and he gave it purpose in Jesus and for us. So we can invest our time for God and for others as they go together. But here's the exception, but also a part of investment of time to invest it in ourselves. That doesn't come first. That's not the only thing. And maybe even we sometimes think investing the gift of time for ourselves is wrong. It it can be wrong if that's all we do, if that's the big picture for us. But you know, that's turning our attention to God and to others in on ourselves. And that's a good picture in the mind of sin, of what God doesn't want, of alienation from him. We can get caught up in spending time all about us, all about me. But there's good, legitimate ways, God-pleasing ways to invest time for ourselves. It's called self-care. And speaking of the pandemic, we've learned something of that, or at least we've had opportunity and still have to do that. How to stop and smell the roses, so to speak. 
done any of that? It's our opportunity. We have the time to invest in ourselves and self-care by resting and by relaxing. It makes us better. It makes us stronger. I can't help but think about what we listen to on Thursday for half a day. And by we, I mean the staff at Emmanuel and St. Michael teaching and other staff together. Guess what we talked about? Time. Run hard, rest well. My hunch is correct. You know how to run hard. You who are here, we, we know how to work. And sometimes we know how to work and work and work and forget how to rest. But to rest well is an investment with our time, with God's gift of time to better serve. Think about God himself. What did he do? Six days, he created the whole earth, the whole universe. And on the seventh day, he rested. He rested. It's there as an example for us. And even he turned it into the commandment of the days. Six days, do all your work, he said, like I did. And on the seventh day, rest. He ordered time week by week, occasion by occasion, giving us an example and linking it to one of his commandments even. It is a good thing. And what it comes down to is this. It comes down to managing the gift of God in time. One of the first things I did after I got out of seminary with all that learning, all of which was good, going into a congregation, how am I going to do what needs to be done? There's so much. Well, I kept learning. And one of the things I first did was take a time management seminar. From a Christian perspective, I learned about all the things that I knew to do, but even more, but then how to manage the time God gives to get them done. It's a good thing you can do on your own. Maybe to do something as simple as a personal time audit. Ever hear of that? Take a piece of paper, write down the day. Every couple of hours, write down the time and what you did with that time. And then a couple hours later, an hour later, write down what you did with that. At the end of the day, look and see how you invested the gift of time that God gave you. After a week, after a month all to help us manage this precious gift. And in it all, to look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Look at the time he had. What, three years or so? From age 30 to about 33 was his intensive work of time. But even 33 years, not much time from many people's perspective. But look, look at what he did. That people are still talking about it that we're still learning from it, that we're still receiving the benefits of the time that he had. A short life, but full of strength and power. Makes me think of one more thing. 1973, 1974, as part of the seminary experience, I had vicarage, you know, that time of internship. I was sent off to suburban Los Angeles, Torrance, California, as a matter of fact. Great place, great experience, learning to put God's gift of time to work in a congregation. But there's something else I remember, well, at least of many. A couple there with whom we came, became friends introduced us to a man by the name of Chuck Mangione. Know about Chuck Mangione? I mean, we didn't meet him personally, but we met him through his music. 
what a great musician, and a guy of great personality too, a guy who played the flugelhorn, something I'd never heard of before, but great music. In fact, we kept in touch with that music even as we moved to Canada and listened to a couple of outdoor concerts on Lake um, Ontario, just outside of Toronto. Anyway, Chuck Mangione wrote, among many pieces of music, a very special one for the Winter Olympics in 1980. Guess what it was called? Guess what it was called? Give it all you've got. Give it all you've got. What a great message, even in music, for the athletes that competed in those Olympics. What a great message for you and for me. As we invest the time, the gift of God, it's fitting for us too. I remember here where my dad often said to us, tempus fugit, Latin. Time flies. His message, my dad's, along with Chuck Mangione's, came together wonderfully. Manage God's great gift. We've got it right now. It's rich, and we can put it to work in Jesus for his sake. So I want to bless you with a blessing that comes straight from the scriptures. It's before you on a screen. I want to say the words to you as a blessing. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. Amen.